0: hello everyone and welcome to the employment matters podcast brought to you by the employment law alliance the largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the world i'm your host chloe lobesher knowledge and learning lawyer at bowman's in south africa on the program we span the globe and receive updates on critical issues from ela members in each region on today's episode we'll be discussing current trends in data protection in uganda Joining us on the program is Norman Mulira, Principal Associate at MMAKS Advocates. Welcome, Norman. Thanks for joining us on the program today. How are you doing?
1: Thank you, Chloe. How are you? And thank you for having me.
0: I'm very well, thank you. So, Norman, what are the current trends that we're seeing in data protection in Uganda?
1: Thank you, Chloe. So, we're seeing that there's an uptick in mandatory registration of data collectors, processors, and controllers. So provided that a person is dealing with personal data in Uganda, or if you're outside Uganda, but you're dealing with personal data relating to Ugandan citizens, then you're required to register with the Personal Data Protection Office. We're also saying that since the act creates offenses, we're seeing the police is getting actively involved in the enforcement of the act. So we are seeing a couple of enterprises being summoned to police to answer why they're not registering and yet they're required to register especially we're seeing this happen with entities that deal with a lot of data, for example, medical or health facilities. Yes. Then finally, we're also saying that image and personality rights are being enforced under the provisions of the data protection act.
0: Yeah. And could you unpack that a little bit more for us? How exactly is this enforcement of image or personality rights being done under the data protection act?
1: Previously, matters relating to personality or image rights in Uganda were adjudicated on based on common law principles. However, since the passing of the Uganda Data Protection Act, we have seen a shift in the judicial approach. Courts are now relying on statutory guidance to enforce image rights, but without necessarily deviating from common law principles unless the statute provides otherwise. Now, when it comes to image rights, particularly in the employment relationship, it has been common practice for employers to involve employees in photo shoots that are intended to advertise the employer's products or services without necessarily right. getting the employee's consent. And of course, the argument has always been that the photo shoot is part of an employee's employment. Interestingly, this has been reinforced by some Ugandan court decisions that seem to suggest that you know obtaining consent of an employee to participate in a photo shoot to advertise your employer's products or services is elective and not mandatory. However, you know, we're seeing this changing with the coming into force of the Data Protection Act. Just like most data protection legislations across the world, consent is a mandatory requirement when dealing with personal data. So to the extent that a photograph can identify an individual employee, then that amounts to personal data, which then requires that the consent of the employee is obtained before the photo shoot is taken or used in any way. And we've seen now cases in Uganda where courts are using the Data Protection Act to enforce these image rights.
0: Okay. And so could an employer obtain the consent of an employee in inception of the employment relationship by, you know, including a little nice clause there in the employment
1: contract? Well, that's an interesting one. And I can imagine many employers want to use that easier route out. And I believe this would be determined on a case-by-case basis in respect of how the consent was obtained and if the consent meets the consent requirements under the Data Protection Act. But my personal sentiments are that obtaining this consent at the inception of the relationship will not suffice. And this is because, you see, under the Data Protection Act, the consent must be, among other things, very specific and informed. Therefore, unless at the inception of the employment relationship, the employee has been informed with all necessary specificity but that wouldn't then fly. For example, at the start, the employer should be able to tell the employee that, you know, you'll be participating in a photo shoot for this kind of promotional campaign. Your photos will be for this brand or for this product. So that kind of specificity. And usually, this is not the case with employment contracts at the start. It's usually just a bit of a blanket uh, clause, you know, that you hereby give your consent to participate in photo shoots as and when required. So if it's not very specific, I don't think it will fly. And secondly, also the time lag between when the consent is given and when the photo shoot is taken will definitely affect the quality of the consent. For example, at inception, um, an employee could have been okay with participating in a photo shoot or for the employer's products or services, but down the road with passage of time, the employee's views could have changed. Maybe they're no longer willing to be on a billboard, or maybe they're no longer interested in being associated with the employer's products or services.
0: Okay, that does make sense. So, Norman, what remedies are then available for an aggrieved employee?
1: Well, for this one, kindly allow me to focus on non-compliance under the Data Protection Act. Now, the Act provides an avenue for an aggrieved person to apply to court for compensation if the data subject suffers a distress or harm arising from non-compliance or contravention by data Controller, processor, or collector. However, for that aggrieved person to get compensation under the Data Protection Act, they have to prove that they've suffered damage or distress. And now this becomes problematic because it poses challenges in assessing compensation for non physical or non financial harm. Therefore, courts find it generally difficult to translate hard feelings into hard currency. As you may appreciate, no amount of money can provide true restitution. Therefore, the award is usually guided by awards in previous court decisions, and also the presiding judge is usually guided by what they consider fair and reasonable in the circumstances.
0: Very interesting. Thank you, Norman. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you today, and thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you, Chloe. Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you'd like to connect with Norman, please click on his bio in the description of this podcast. We also encourage you to reach out to any of our lawyers around the world by selecting find a lawyer on the ELA website at ela.law. In addition, search the ELA website where you can sign up to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers and on-demand content from our online library, or access the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labour and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Chloe Lopesha. Thanks for listening.